welcome to another episode of the IFC's Individuation Podcast. I am Dr. Lahab Al Samurai, and I am talking to George Kurian today. He is in Beirut, isolated, um, self-isolated, as most of us are around the world on uh, today. Uh, we are in Washington State. How are you doing, George? You want to introduce yourself to our listeners, George? Hi, Lahab. I hope you're all doing well. I'm fine in uh, self-imposed isolation here in Beirut. Um, things are going well. I mean, apart from the incredible toll the virus is taking on people worldwide. You know, I think that that it is um, it is remarkable that people around the world are reacting in the way they are. Don't you think? Uh, it is remarkable and not very uh, unsurprising, given the fact that most people have no experience with this in their own lifetimes, or the lifetimes of their parents, or probably even in the lifetimes of their grandparents. Yeah, I, I, I've been, you've been, you've actually been through war, and you've been a photographer um, in different battles. What 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 do you see that's different from a warlike scenario in this? How is it how is it um, conceptual for you that this could be more terrifying than a war experience? Maybe. Well, I mean, there are similarities with a war experience, and there are dissimilarities with a war experience. Um, the similarities, I would think, is that there is an enemy, as it were, out there, you know, an enemy that's trying to get you, and the fear and the paranoia that can come with it is pretty evident everywhere. Uh, on the other side, there are countries that are showing leadership in terms of how to take on this problem. Germany is a notable example in terms of reassuring people, but also telling them the truth in terms of what they can expect. So there's a level of control that you don't find in war. I see, so you're talking about the situation in terms of control um, vis-a-vis chaos. Yeah, and you know, I think one of the things that people uh, lose in a wartime scenario is the reassurance that the things that you cannot take care of yourself are being taken taken care of by a government, by the municipality, by civic administration, etc. Right? Uh, During the coronavirus, we still have all of that in place although there are doubts in terms of how good they are in taking care of the crisis, depending on the government in place and the president or prime minister uh, in each country. So um, what's the situation where you are, um, George? How is the situation in the Middle East in general? Uh, I can speak for Lebanon right now. Lebanon is under total lockdown. 
the army and the police are on the street, uh, finding people for loitering and wandering about. So being on the street is almost like a traffic offense, so you can get a fine. Ooh. And what, what is the morale of people in where you are? Your neighbors, your friends, uh, people you talk to, the restaurant owners who um, probably send you food. Um, how do you, how do you, how is everybody doing? Uh, truth of the matter is, I don't know. I haven't seen anybody in the last uh, two weeks, <laughs> apart from the corner shop that I go to yes. to buy supplies. Yes, and what does the corner shop say? I mean, it's business as usual in the sense that people are coming out to buy what they need. Uh, you know, the administration has made sure that supplies don't cease, so they're not really affected, though it's a little slower to get fresh produce coming in, etc. So produce has been, um, uh, been a problem? I mean, getting produce from the farms is a lot slower than before, and I see more shelves empty. Um, mm. So, how long do you think this could go on for in terms of Beirut and Lebanon? That their this isolation can continue. What are you thinking? How how long could this keep going, or is it indefinite and we don't have a choice? I mean, as of now, it's indefinite uh, because we have no information in terms of uh, how many fresh cases have been uh, discovered and what's the rate of spread. Has the curve, is the curve flattening out? Is it going down? Is it going up? We don't have this information here uh, right now. You know, Trump so, wants to suspend everything and send it back to uh, business as usual by April 1st. I don't think that's going to happen, but... I mean, the Trump, it looks like his whole mindset is about not panicking the market and that kind of thing. Uh, and anything that he says about going back to business as usual seems to be aimed at that. I don't think he's doing a good job in terms of reassuring the public. Then you kind of contrast the way he's dealing with it with the way Angela Merkel dealt with it. Yes. You know, I even read El Salvador today um, has basically um, made everything free from water to electricity to garbage pickup uh, because people are... They canceled are... utility bills. Yes. Yes, that's right. And they've canceled everything to help people who are not working, basically. I mean, I think one of the most overlooked aspects of uh, the crisis right now is the mental health of people. Tell me you more. Know, uh, because, because we have no experience with something of this nature, there are many people panicking about how they're going to pay the rent, how they're going to get electricity, water, food, etc. And this kind of panic is what might lead to people actually breaking their 
uh, isolation and doing things that might endanger more people. So dealing with this anxiety and preventing mass panic, I think is a very responsible thing for governments to be doing right now. I agree with you, George. I think um, in terms of mental health issues and helping those who uh, have severe anxiety because of this, which is pretty much almost 98% of the world's population, um, and then those who are afraid that it's going to impact them, which is 99.999% of the world's population, that um, that there are some they are safety nets for people that if this goes on, people can um, not have to worry about uh, what they're doing, what they're eating, what they're drinking, where they're living, because if this is going to drag on from month to month, and if things, uh, according to the British, um, they see this lasting throughout the rest of this year uh, more, and that's a... um, that's a really kind of conservative estimate. Um, the fact of the matter is what we're looking at is um, maybe a year of different type of situations that maybe less contact, maybe um, outdoor carry restaurants, maybe uh, staying away, not sitting inside, not using facilities inside, home deliveries, this is going to change the way we um, live. Possibly, but the fact that this is a brand new virus and experts have no clue about it whatsoever, I mean, that means all bets are off. There, there is, I mean, we do know certain things about this virus. Certain things that we do know about the virus is that this virus uh, is part um, is a sister virus to the MERS uh, virus and to SARS, and these viruses are quite common actually. And um, we might have more of these viruses around in the future. This is not going to go away. Viruses have always been with us. I was reading, I was listening to Al Jazeera today, and they were talking about how. Um, the virus spreads and it's almost like an alien being in its existence because it does not require food. It does not eat where bacteria eats, bacteria eats and, but viruses do not eat. All they do is invade and procreate. They keep, they're basically, their job is to keep recreating themselves. That's their job. But you know, the immune system in the body is very strong in, in terms of finding ways to deal with certain things. So uh, people need to have hope that this is, this is also, and this is also. You know, I mean, I do, the thing with the coronavirus that I see is that we already have a certain kind of clarity about uh, who are the people most likely to be affected and who are the people most likely to be spared, right? Um, even though they say it's pre, uh, older people and people with pre-existing conditions, mm-hmm. what that means is that all of us know somebody who's aged, our parents, grandparents, uh, elder uncles, etc. All of us 
know somebody with pre-existing conditions. So this is not something that's letting anybody off the hook in the sense of, oh, I'm going to be okay. Yeah, I mean, you you have a lot. Even of... though the experts say, even though the experts say that most people are not going to feel the symptoms more than a cough or something of the kind, most of us are going to survive this, right? Mm. I hear you, George. There is a Russian roulette kind of uh, feeling about, you know, on one side they say people who are young and healthy will survive, but then you find reports from Italy that said no, but actually a few young people at the peak of their health have also succumbed. You see reports from the UK about health workers who were young and healthy having succumbed. So that's what I meant by saying we don't have enough information about about this particular virus, yes, for sure. We don't exactly, or yeah. even how to predict this, you know. Yes, for sure. Um, there've been people making comparisons with the 1918 Spanish uh, flu, and looking at how viruses behave, which is that even the most virulent, virulent viruses, they need to kind of tone down their virulence if they need to live, because if they kill off their hosts, they don't get to live either. That's, you know? that's correct. Uh, well, that's how Ebola so, mutated from killing to, uh, from instantly killing the person to the person being a carrier. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, my pro the thing is, I'd, I'd rather leave the speculation to the experts mm. because most of the, most of the medical experts are themselves dependent on the mathematical modeling of how and what can happen, right? Yeah, so, so we're, not talking about, we're not talking about expert opinion. We're neither epidemiologist or scientist in, in uh, disease or in viruses or in this type of area. What um, we are talking about is information that's been shared with the general public, mostly. And exactly. I also wanted to... And I think one of the things that's making people anxious is global disunity in the face of such a crisis. Mm. I'm already reading reports of people wanting to treat China as a war criminal, about China paying reparations. You know, the blame game has already begun. Mm. Uh, is it the Chinese virus? Is this an American conspiracy? The Iranians who've got so many dead on their hands are blaming the Americans. I don't think any of this is helping anybody feel at ease that the powers that be are taking this seriously enough to make a concerted effort to deal with it. I agree with you, George. I don't think that uh, a virus has a nationality. I think the, the viruses have uh, been here longer than we have been here. They are creatures that live within us, on us, and everywhere near us. They do not belong to any nation, any creed, or, and it should not be that an illness or a sickness is, I mean, I thought we learned this with AIDS and with marginalizing people who uh, are part of the LGBTQ community. Um, we need to stop um, blaming people for things that have nothing to do with them, actually. There's nothing to do um, with the Chinese people, except that uh, it's killed a lot of them and it's made 
it's wrecked um, their lives as much as everybody else's lives around the world. Yeah, but, you know, I think if there was a bad time for a virus to show up on the world scene, it would be now when so many countries are controlled by extreme right-wing populist movements, you know, or right-wing populist governments, if I may say so. Governments that have thrived on spreading disinformation, governments that have thrived on pointing fingers at minorities. And this kind of scenario, people want somebody to blame. I'm already beginning to see it on social media, people getting vicious with each other about the words they use or what they say or what they do. I think this is really a time for people to calm down, to take all the health precautions needed, isolation and the rest of it, what the medical experts tell us to do. But beyond that, I think we should really start calming down, and using this as an opportunity to practice compassion and understanding. I can see what you're saying, George. I agree. On our first podcast in time of corona and conflict, and this is our second podcast, um, is that uh, we are trying to help people um, reflect to the world um, their deep sense of peace. The problem is, is that people forget that our projection of our fear and anger, as Luigi uh, puts it very well, has a contagion effect. That means that you are afraid, everybody else around you starts to panic. If you are angry, that means other people around you are starting to be angry. And sitting with oneself in meditation or in a quiet space, calming oneself, knowing that um, humanity has survived um, many catastrophes um, from the time... Far worse, far, far worse. Um, I think this is, um, it's actually what you're saying is that your fears are that more communities and more minorities um, and more minority communities are being attacked and will be attacked and scapegoated. I agree with you. I think that's already started here. Um, uh, Trump is trying to blame immigration for the coronavirus. So it's uh, uh, COVD-19 has already struck one of my friends. She's in Italy. She's in the hospital. Raffaella, this is uh, day four of her um, COVID exposure, and she is sick in the hospital. Um, I'm thinking about you. I want you to know. all those people out there who are sick, uh, who have lost loved ones, and who are sitting at home and listening, um, we uh, at the Institute for Conflict uh, want to send our um, love and appreciation and empathy for all of you, and remember those who have lost their lives uh, to this pandemic. Um, you know, I was talking to Luigi Absolutely. yesterday, uh, Georgie. I was talking to yep. Luigi. Luigi said, you know how they, um, um, 
used to stand on the balconies and sing because he is in Milano. He's in the epicenter of two-thirds of the cases in Italy are in that area, in the Lombardy region of Italy. And so he said, you know how they used to stand on the balconies and sing? I said, yes, well, you know, I've been watching it on YouTube. It's a fantastic thing. He said, now they're standing on balconies and cussing each other out. Yeah. But this is what I'm talking about. And I think, uh, <clears throat> and I'm seeing that kind of uh, viciousness even on social media now, you know? Mm. And I think a big part of it is coming down to the fact that very few people are comfortable being in their own company. <laughs> That's why everybody's buying toilet paper, Georgie. Uh, you know, it, it was shocking to see uh, toilet paper shelves empty. Uh, I was in Sweden mm. when the uh, when this broke up, mm. and you know, this is a country with a <clears throat> lot of social security. This is not a country where people are used to panicking about their needs, given the fact that the government is so protective of people. Mm. And I was walking to the supermarket and I saw that the entire shelf of toilet paper and all kinds of uh, paper had gone. But when I reached the shelves and say canned beans and canned vegetables, they all seemed to be well stocked. <laughs> It seemed an irony, <laughs> you know, pardon my French, but I went, if you're not going to eat, what are you going to poop? <laughs> you know, in Amsterdam, they say there's a run on uh, marijuana, not on toilet paper. Uh, well, I would... It's probably a better thing to uh, uh, put your money on than toilet paper. Yeah, yeah I, w I would think... You know, uh, Freud would say that we, uh, this is a regression back to the, to the anal phase of development. And that people who, and actually that is not the, that usually occurs around past two. The anal phase, that's when it occurs. So we have regressed back to the age of two. We're trying to stick our fingers is in how, like... Is that how you think of it? I, I, the, if, uh, speaking from Freudian psychology, that's what the Freudians would say. Why are you in a hurry to find uh, toilet paper? Because you're basically going back to the diaper. And going back to the diaper is going back to an age where you didn't have control of your bowels. And you didn't hmm. understand the world. You were still trying to put your finger and your parents were sitting you on the potty and waiting for you to crap and they would clap for you when you crap. This is when you start discovering the world. This is when you're putting your finger in your mouth after touching everything and licking things off the floor. That's the mental age of um, the anal phase, uh, the anal phase of development, and that's where it seems like everybody has dragged themselves into because of the unconscious fear that is running wild out there. It's like I hadn't thought 
Go on. It's through all the way uh, to that uh, uh, place. But what I thought was a classic example of the irrationality that takes over when people panic. Yes. It is an irrationality, um, but when you specifically... And another thing that struck me, and another thing that struck me is that this kind of irrationality seems to be hitting cultures where individualism is very strong. Correct. As opposed to places where uh, traditional modes of sharing are still prevalent. Correct. Because collective society. And I would think... Go on, George. And I would think... Thinking and acting as a community is also a course of practice and habit. Yes. Those of us who live individual lives, who can whip out a card, take care of ourselves and all our needs uh, in a very individualistic manner, we don't even know how to begin to think of how to come together as a community to take care of ourselves. Well, you know, I think we, we need, I, that's a good point, George. And I think we need to actually come together and share community at this time, make sure that the people who are living around us, above us, under us, near us, are, um, are asked if they need anything. That does not require you, Absolutely. not social distancing, but you could ask people if they're okay. It's a huge thing to be asked if you're okay, don't you think, George? Absolutely. And, you know, I think that old adage, it takes a village to raise a child. Correct. And it just connected me to this thing I was reading on Facebook when someone said, this is dedicated to that person who took all the low rolls of toilet paper and the 20 bottles of soap. Mm. It's not enough if you keep your hands clean. It's also important that everybody in the community around you is able to keep their hands clean to prevent uh, infection from spreading, you know? And even though that was kind of said in this um, ironic way, I think it hits the nail on its head. That thinking in terms of community is about ensuring everybody's health, including the individuals within it. I agree with you. And this seems to be conspicuously missing in the way we're handling this. Um, the sad part is it's missing in the way a lot of the global leadership is dealing with it. Well, I don't think they're really dealing with it. They're reacting to it, and the way they're reacting to it is irrational too. It's not like they're dealing with it in terms of uh, an education, of thinking logically, of putting on the people who should be dealing with it. This is a scientific endeavor. This requires medical people. This requires analysis. This requires logistics. This requires statisticians. This requires, 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 requires. And they're acting like they just found that, that there's a problem. This problem has been going on. The Chinese have suffered this for three months before people started reacting to it. I would have to say that, that that was a terrible response by the world community, except for Singapore, who was testing people almost on day one. Um, the rest of the global community in Hong Kong, the rest of the global community is just not, uh, have been responsive to these events. And I agree with you about being 
people pulling out the card and like taking care of themselves. In this time of um, Corona, we have to take care of each other. We can't be, we cannot um, survive this crisis without being caring and loving and empathic towards each other. I agree. Physical isolation does not mean emotional isolation, does not mean psychological isolation, does not mean abandoning the sense of community. It means this is a time to foster that sense of community even more. For sure. While staying individually isolated. For sure. The sooner... Because... Go on. Because that, the, the need to isolate yourself is not just to protect your own self, but also to stop others from, uh, to stop yourself from passing things on to other people, right? So there is a community responsibility even while you self-isolate. You know, the more we find out about this uh, situation, the more we, uh, we start to um, accept the gravitas of the situation as the world community has to come together to solve this problem together. There is no solving it by yourself. There is no, um, there, there is no race to the bottom of this heap. We have to do this together. I mean, what is... Absolutely. And to my mind, the, 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 this is also a time when much of the global leadership is saying we don't have all the answers, you know? And responsible leaders are saying transparently, we don't have all the answers, we don't have all the solutions, but we need to stick together to find answers and going forward. And I think this is a time for people to also start realizing that within democracies, we cannot abdicate responsibility just to lead us. But we need to be self-sufficient in what we do and how we think of ourselves within the community. Uh, what I wanted to talk about, George, is that uh, part of the thing that struck me was how the planet has stopped. The houses of worship around the world, um, the cities, the crowded cities, the everything has stopped it is incredible it is incredible at how it's like it, you're in a car and you hit the brake and then you turned it off and you're in you stopped it's like somebody stopped the planet it's amazing the planet hasn't stopped the planet's going exactly how it is but we are being asked to become self-sufficient in terms of our own emotional fulfillment, spiritual fulfillment, right? I agree. There's no churches, no mosques, no temples. If you want any kind of spiritual fulfillment, you've got to find it through mindfulness. I agree, If George. you want to find peace, you've got to find it yourself right now. And... You know, with great respect to everybody suffering from the coronavirus, I have to say for the rest of us, 
this is an opportunity to kind of take a good hard look at ourselves. It's a great time for self-reflection and to be with yourself and learn about how deep the self is and how much of you you have barely discovered and seen and felt and experienced and thought about. How much potential there is in the self and how much of you can change and grow and integrate and what the Jungians we talk about on this podcast over and over again is individuation. How you can become much bigger than you ever thought possible. And I am not talking because you're sitting in front of the fridge feeding your face. I am talking about self. I am talking about the self that gives us a sense of being in this world, a sense of wellness in this world, and a sense of belonging to this world. And that has been with us since we opened our eyes while we were still in the womb. Absolutely. And while we as a species go through fear and panic, the environment is actually healing itself as we speak. What happens is is that through, through the process of unknown fear, we start to try the brain basically plays a trick on you. It tries to figure out where your fear is coming from and shut it down. Therefore, what happens is the brain will pick the easiest objects around you. Um, that person is scaring you. Um, you don't have enough toilet paper. Um, you need supplies. Um, uh, you have to defend yourself. Um, what's going to happen next? Um, you're not going to get a check who's going to pay your electric bill and who is going to take care of you and who is going to check on you and who cares about you and who likes you and these questions are the ones that are going to drive you absolutely mad you have to be able to sit with the self go on George so true Uh, and I was just telling somebody who uh, asked me today how I'm coping with this Uh, and telling you about all their worries. And I said, you've been worrying similarly a long time before the coronavirus. (laughs) It's just that the substance of your worries have changed and have taken the name of the coronavirus. Yes. But you've been worrying similarly for a long time. Yes. Now you can find out why you've been worried. You could figure out... Because worrying about the coronavirus is not going to give you solutions even to the coronavirus. Well, there... It's just the latest thing you've started worrying about. Yes. What you need to do is break the habit of worrying needlessly about things you cannot uh, cannot do anything about. You know, I think that the the habit of worrying about things is um, when you are young, you start to um, start to generate anxiety to move from place to place and say, oh, I want to see this, I want to discover this. And this is part of the learning process. This is how the mind works. This is how we take in more and more input. Moving from place to place, seeing places, talking to people, uh, reading books, um, watching documentaries, listening to tapes, uh, well, listening to podcasts, 
and thinking about life in general, you are learning, your mind is learning constantly. You have learned so many things during your time on this planet. You don't know it yet. But as George says, if you are able to sit mindfully with yourself, and mindfully is a simple practice, is just listening to um, your breathing. You can just stare into the unknown. You can sit in silence. You can do meditation in a guided way. You could listen to an app and it will guide you through the meditation. You can listen to background soothing uh, music. Um, one of those is called uh, the Marconi Union. Um, and they have a music called Weightless that is shown in, uh, shown, I think that's Georgie, cut out for us. So we're waiting for him to be uh, put on back hold. It looks like he might not be. Okay. All right. Um, George is still there? No, he got disconnected. Okay. So to continue our conversation, um, our time on this planet has been bountiful with different things and appreciations that, we, that we've learned. We have um, integrated so much knowledge. Um, George Curia. What's oh, that? There's George. George, we lost you for a second, bro. Hold on. You there, bro? I'm here. Um, so what I was saying uh, when we lost you was um, all the things that we have learned during our time on this planet, that the integration of those things that we learned, that we downloaded, that we download all the time, the endless information that we get from different people. We haven't really had time to reflect on all the things that we know and that we have found while living on this planet. Um, meditation and mindfulness will bring you to those things, the parts of you that um, you haven't talked to in a while that you haven't caressed, you haven't taken care of, you haven't touched, you haven't uh, smiled towards. Be kind to yourself, be gentle. Know that the world will continue and that you will still be here. Believe in creation. Creation believes in you. You are still around. Right, Georgie? Absolutely. I mean, there are people whom the lockdown is going to hurt materially. In so many countries where poor people have no social security, people who don't know where their next meal is going to come from, um, there, are, there is real panic. Uh, but a lot of us are beyond that everyday need of uh, food, water, shelter in our panic, you know? And I think we almost have a responsibility to our fellow human beings to kind of 
take charge of ourselves right now in this crisis. And apart from physically isolating ourselves so we don't spread the virus, we also have a responsibility to kind of take care of ourselves, be kind to ourselves and other people. Simply so that there isn't enough noise in the system and actually calm, clear action can prevail. So the people who actually don't have things can get what they need and we can move forward with the least casualties. I agree with you, George. I think that the, that the optimal and the optimum thing that we get out of this situation is to reconnect socially, emotionally, psychologically with people around us, with ourselves, and with the world that we live in. I hear more birds. I, I smell more fresh air. I see clear skies. I see beautiful skies. I see cloud cover. And I see the sun. Sometimes it's the simple things in life that give us a chance to experience wonder and creation. Find those moments in your life. We would like you to be safe and happy. George, would you like to say anything to our fellow listeners? Well, nothing that I'm not reminding myself um, every day. Breathe. Find yourself. Be kind. Don't give in to the urge to react badly to people around you because that urge is rising because we're all a bit like caged animals right now. And this might bring the worst out of ourselves. Yeah, those are my notes to self and I'm happy to share them if that helps anybody else. Thank you, George. Thank you for connecting with us today. And thank you for giving us insight from um, Beirut, um, Lebanon, where we hope all of you are healthy, safe, and uh, taken care of. This has been the IFC's Individuation Podcast. Did you say I want to say something, George? No. Uh, I just wish everybody well, as, as people can be in the present circumstances. And let's see ourselves on the other side. Thanks, George. This has been the Institute for Conflicts Individuation Podcast. Um, in the times of in the time of Corona and conflict, we are happy to continue our broadcast um, on a daily basis. You could find us on iTunes, on Anchor, and on other platforms. We are greatly thankful to all of our listeners. Be safe, be well. We will talk soon. Institute of Conflict greatly appreciate all of you listeners. Please share the podcast with your friends and spread the word. 
If you would like to help expand our community, like us on Facebook and Instagram, and give us a five-star review on iTunes. I'm Sonia Mahmood, and you've just listened to the Institute of Conflict Individuation Podcast. We'll be back soon.